our fleet is lost, and your friends on the indoor moon will not survive. There is no escape, my young apprentice. The Alliance will die, as will your friends. and your journey towards the dark side will be complete. This is Jason. And this is Gabe. And we're talking about all the topics that people want to hear about right now. Last week was the alien exodus. People are still recovering from that mind-shattering news. This week we are talking about Luke's death blow in Return of the Jedi. What does that mean, Luke's death blow? Even if you don't know. You want to hear about it. Once you hear about it, you're going to want to know more. And you won't be able to stop thinking about it. Do you know what it is? No, but you want to know about the death blow. So listen, here we go. On with the show. (laughs) It's a topic deeper than people may think. It's a question you don't think about. But yeah, like you said, once you start thinking about Luke's death blow, you can't stop thinking about Luke's death blow. You're going to listen to this episode. You're going to finish it, and wherever you are, if you're driving to work, if you're listening to this at work, if you're just hanging out, cooking dinner, listening to this, you've got to stop whatever you're doing. you got to be like, listen, I just heard Blast Points talking about Luke's death blow. we got to talk about it. Maybe just talk to strangers about it. Pull into the gas station. Don't even get any gas. Just stand around, ask people. (laughs) Just yelling, Luke's death blow. (laughs) What do you think? But before we get to that. The leaves have changed even more. The apple orchards are even busier. The air is brisk. Like an iced tea. It's so brisk. <laughs> it's getting to be jacket season again. Have you, have you started wearing a jacket again when you go outside? I, I, yeah, I wore a sweatshirt today. 
I still had shorts on, but I wore a sweatshirt. So it's a transition time. It's a very clear sign that it's fall. It's October. It's week two of Snoketoberfest. This new year, 2022, of Snoketoberfest with, like we said last week, the Snoke sounds. We've done Snoke words. We've done Snoke lines. We've done slowed down Snoke. We've done Snoke in different languages. This year, it's all about the sounds in between the words. It's how you know that Snoke, at one point, is alive. He breathes. He grunts. He growls. He might have holes in him might be missing some parts here and there but deep down at his core he has some lungs so weird to think about snoke's internal organs isn't it because <laughs> they're so big yeah which is what is going on in there how does all that work think about how much he has to eat so many apples from the apple orchard is there a giant kitchen on on his ship with just giant pots and giant pans. Like, do human-sized people have to cook giant food for him? Or are there giant, like the big purple spooky dudes, like have to cook his food because they're the only people big enough to make Snoke-sized food? It's like somewhere on Snoke's ship, there's a cafeteria. And probably they have to make special meals for Supreme Leader Snoke. And they probably have, like, special utensils for him to use. Like, get out the big fork. (laughs) Do you think he has a table, like... Out with everyone, so there's like all the you know the stormtrooper tables and, and the mess hall and everyone, and then like in the corner there's like one giant table with a giant chair and giant plates and a big giant cup. And he's got like a little TV tray in front of his big chair that he was talking to to Kylo Ren in a hologram. Yeah, maybe he just yeah he eats in there. He has like a hover tray that just floats with all his big food. So okay, this week. It's one of the best Snoke lines ever. This is from the classic, always quoted Snoke line. You wonder why I keep a rabid cur at such a place of power. A cur's weakness, properly manipulated, can be a sharp tool. But it's all about this little breather he takes at the end. It's like Grace Jones jumping off the Eiffel Tower in a view to a kill. (sighs) A little breather. Here we go. Let's uh, let's play this beautiful little Snoke sound. It's like Snoke yoga. Push push all the tension out. Just relax. Get it all out. It's such a great line. Let's play the whole line. Why not? It's Snoketoberfest. It's 2022. Who cares? Let's play the whole line. You wonder why I keep a rabbit cur in such a place of power. A cur's weakness, properly manipulated, can be a sharp tool. Let's play that breather again. fall breeze. Gabe, do you want to hear the breather one more time? I think, yeah, I think so. (sighs) 
You know, when I was sitting in the theater when The Last Jedi came out, I think I was sitting there pretending like I knew what a cur was. <laughs> well, yeah, I figured eventually it'll make sense. I just have to wait. I just have to wait and the, and the context will explain it. But no, I had to look it up. It's like watching, you know, an episode of Andor and they mention something, you know, and you're like, uh, that's that's probably something. I'll have to look that up later. It's some some creature from a West End book or something. Well, at least with the shows now, you can turn the subtitles on and make sure you're not losing your mind. But at the theater, yeah, with the with the Kerr line, it was like, is that really what he said? What did he say? A cur is a breed of herding, driving dog that went extinct. I've taken this from, like, dictionary.com. It's a driving dog. So maybe it's like, like a car driving dog or something that wears sunglasses or something. <laughs> that's, that's why it's extinct, because it was a car driving dog. Too many accidents. The term cur later came to mean a hunting dog of a mongrel origin, a.k.a. a mutt. Not Mutt Williams, not Mutt Jones, not Henry Jones Jr. Jr., like a mutt dog. Maybe Snoke's really into dogs. Maybe Snoke has big dogs. Maybe Snoke has a cat. Maybe that's the whole thing where Snoke was into dogs just to piss off Hux because he knew Hux had a cat. Or Snoke might just be friends with the interdimensional beings. They're about the same size. Maybe they shop at the same oversized grocery store. <laughs> so Snoke knows all about the Crystal Skull and all about the Joneses. And he was, it was a cold diss. You're just like Mutt Williams. They told me about him. Kylo Ren is kind of like the Mutt Williams of Star Wars, you know. In a, from a certain point of view. <laughs> well, human exodus, you know. Yeah, they're cousins or they're space cousins or something. It's Oktoberfest. Cleverly disguised as Imperial Stormtroopers, Luke, Han, and Chewie rescue the lovely Princess Leah from her prison. With her escape route blocked, Leah blasts a hole in the corridor and the four plunge headlong into a black tunnel that leads who knows where. Well, what new adventure awaits our heroes at the bottom of that tunnel? Don't miss the next fantastic commercial for Star Wars. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Okay, so Luke's death blow. Let's get into it. Let's start explaining what this whole thing is, what we're getting into here with this episode. The inspiration for this comes from a J.W. Rinsler article from January 24th, 2013 on StarWars.com. He talks about how he's still working on the making of Return of the Jedi book at that point. And while he was doing research, he thought of this really interesting question. And he's like, I'm going to ask George about it. Like something like he's going to ask George about it or he just already did or something. He says, I asked George the same question and his answer is in the book. Which in itself at the time is quite a tease. It's, it's hard to think back to before the making of Return of the Jedi book existed. What, what was life like before that book was in our brains we were li- it was literally we were living in the dark 
just using a flashlight trying to find stuff. And we had no flashlight. We were wandering around in a dark room trying to feel things. Like, I think that I think this is a light switch. No, it's a mouse trap. It's like clueless. Out of it, what was life what was life like before the Rinsler making up books in general? Did do I did I even like Star Wars then? I don't know. Yeah. Did we even know what it was? No. I don't think we I don't <laughs> think anyone did. It was just flashing lights at that point. Yeah, just, just a bunch of alien heads and laser beams. <laughs> the cool thing with kind of talking about this topic and kind of highlighting this just kind of simple little article from StarWars.com from almost 10 years ago, it's the great thing with kind of the legacy of J.W. Rinsler, too, that he could just write an article in StarWars.com where he just presents this kind of, hey, I noticed something about Return of the Jedi that I never thought about before. And then you read that and you're like, oh, my God, yeah, no, I've never thought about that either. And then you talk about it with other people and they're like, oh, my God, I've never thought about that either. And it's just the way Rinsler asked questions about Star Wars and the way he looked at it analytically and lovingly. It's just his his legacy just keeps going. And the, I, I was really happy that kind of discovering this this website page and that it's still up, too. And to kind of keep honoring his legacy. He made us all a lot smarter. <laughs> he sure did. Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> well, and he enhanced all of our love of Star Wars. Like we said, like we joke, but, you know, like what, what, did, what was life like before his books and before what he added to understanding how these movies were made and the thought process and making them and... Uh, his books are just such a gift and they they they'll go on forever and ever and ever and we're just they were always so honored that we got a few chances to talk to him and he was he was such a character he was so much fun so the, the least we can do is keep bringing his name up and keep talking about just the fact that he could just ask a simple question so what is that question what is the deal so basically the question he asks is at the end of Return of the Jedi, when Darth Vader and Luke and the Emperor are all together, if Vader's plan was to overthrow the Emperor, why doesn't he let Luke follow through with his lightsaber death blow and kill the Emperor? What is it that causes him to put his lightsaber out and block Luke's attack? Because you would think if he really wants Luke to join him as father and son and take over the galaxy, that that was the opportunity right there, basically to let Luke kill the emperor. Right. Which is insane. Like how many times have we watched return of the Jedi? Never, ever, 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 ever thought about that moment because Luke, yeah, he's the emperor's got his lightsaber. Luke pulls it into his hand, goes to attack Palpatine and Vader blocks it. I've never thought about that, though. Right, because he could have just as easily attacked the Emperor at the same time, and they could have both struck him down. Right, there's a lot to unpack there, a whole lot to think about. There's a lot going on that spans the movies that came before, especially The Empire Strikes Back, stuff that comes later, even going into like the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. And what we're going to do here is we're first, we're going to re review the evidence, everything that happened before this point to kind of get us to where we are, to kind of 
try to answer that question from our perspective. We have a couple answers from some of our friends' perspective. And then we have from the making of Return of the Jedi, J.W. Rinzer's book, the lengthy answer that George Lucas gave on why Vader blocked Luke's death blow. So let's start with the evidence. Let's go first off to the Emperor's scene in the original version of The Empire Strikes Back, because I like the special edition version with the Ian McDermott Emperor. I I also really like the crazy monkey eyes, wacky, wacky, crazy ghoul Emperor in the original version. But the dialogue is a little different. So we've got to kind of also go on what people thought when they originally saw The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi back in the 80s. So let's listen to the original version of The Empire Strikes Back Emperor scene. What is thy bidding, my master? There is a great disturbance in the Force. I have felt it. We have a new enemy, Luke Skywalker. Yes, my master. He could destroy us. He's just a boy. Obi-Wan can no longer help him. The Force is strong with him. The son of Skywalker must not become a Jedi. If he could be turned, he would become a powerful ally. Yes. Yes. He would be a great asset. Can it be done? He will join us or die, Master. Never get tired of people talking to giant hologram heads. What would just imagine people? I I don't even, I don't remember what I thought, but I could just imagine like normal people where it's just like, what is this? The emperor, this giant emperor head with these crazy eyes and blinking and stuff. But when that is the first time, though, also that we hear Vader saying, if he could be, if he could be turned, he could be a powerful asset, and that kind of the emperor is just like, yeah, go ahead, do that. That sounds like a good plan. And so that's kind of where we think this whole thing is going. That Vader's plan is to turn Luke to the dark side. And they can, I don't know, be like, you know, the three of them, Palpatine, Vader, and Luke. Right, because at that point there's no reason to think that there could only be two of them or that Vader would have any reason to overthrow the Emperor. If we're if we're watching it four, five, six order as opposed to one, two, three, four, five, six, order. True. If you watched it one, two, three, four, five, six, that would add a whole nother layer to the whole thing. If you knew Anakin was inside there, that would be like, wait, does he really want to do that? Well, and that's an interesting thing, and maybe we will get more into that as we talk about that scene, but potentially the reason, at least for me, that that scene works the way it is kind of works better if you know one, two, and three, because it kind of informs why maybe it is the way that it is. Well, and what's interesting is when that scene that we just listened to was redone for the DVD in 2004, it plays more into what the audience already knows from the prequels. So let's listen to the 2004 version of Vader and the Emperor. What is thy bidding, my master? There is a great disturbance in the Force. 
I have felt it. We have a new enemy. The young rebel who destroyed the Death Star. I have no doubt this boy is the offspring of Anakin Skywalker. How is that possible? Search your feelings, Lord Vader. You will know it to be true. He could destroy us. He's just a boy. Obi-Wan can no longer help him. The Force is strong with him. The son of Skywalker must not become a Jedi. If he could be turned, he would become a powerful ally. Yes, he would be a great asset. Can it be done? He will join us or die, Master. The point is still the same at the end. It's, you know, if he could be turned, he'd be a powerful ally. Can it be done? Yes, do it. The way Palpatine is referring to Anakin Skywalker as completely somebody else and how Vader is like, how is that possible? Well, search your feelings, Lord Vader. You know it to be true. That adds a whole nother level to it. Yeah, because it starts to bring in a reason for, well, I guess the reason was always kind of there, why Vader would start to doubt the Emperor. Because we now know part of him being Vader was built on a, on the lie that Padme was killed by him and that the children were killed or child was killed. Now that we know that going into that scene. And it's the great thing with Darth Vader all through The Emperor Strikes Back is he knows it. The audience didn't know it until the end, but Vader knows through the whole thing that his obsession with finding Luke Skywalker is because it's his son. And he's starting to put the pieces together in his mind of, well, if I had a son, if I had a child, then I didn't kill Padme. And Palpatine lied to me. And what else did he lie to me about? This whole thing is based around a lie. And it's the beginnings of the return of the Jedi, of Anakin Skywalker, starting to bubble back up to the surface. Yeah, and it's also, the be- this scene is, is the beginning of Vader lying back of his intentions. Because he may be telling the truth at that time of, of wanting him to turn, but he wants him to turn basically to help him kill the Emperor. When I wonder too, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into this more with, with the next scene we're going to listen to, I wonder how much Vader knows what he wants at this point. He's such, there's so much going on with him and his emotions and kind of what Luke represents for him. It's, it's almost like it's too much for him to process. It's like, you know, the duel of the fates inside of his mind of, do I want to kill the Emperor and be Anakin again because I know he lied to me? Or is it I must obey my master? It's kind of like what we saw at the end of Kenobi where he had that moment of weakness with Obi-Wan. And then the Emperor was just like, nope, you got to go back to being Darth Vader. Enough of this weakness, you know? Right, because it is almost like this scene with the hologram is... Him just buying time to figure out what he wants to do, because all he knows is he doesn't want to kill his son, but he doesn't know necessarily know why or what he wants to do with that. But 
it's just like, well, if we turn him, then we don't have to kill him. And that buys him time to figure out what that really means and what he wants to do. The next thing we're going to play is the the famous, the railway, the, the no, I am your father, all the things before that in The Empire Strikes Back. But you think of all of Luke and Darth Vader's lightsaber duel in The Empire Strikes Back. And if Vader wanted to kill Luke Skywalker, the, the rebel who blew up the Death Star, as they say, he could have at any time. Look at Vader in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Look at Vader in Rogue One, the stuff we've kind of seen in the new Vader stuff. Like Vader, if he really wanted to get rid of Luke Skywalker, he could have. But he didn't. Like, look at the fight in The Empire Strikes Back. It's gorgeous. It's an incredible lightsaber duel. But Vader's stalling. He's dragging it out. He's putting on like a little show. Yeah, he's just wearing him down. Okay, so let's play some of their conversation from the end of The Empire Strikes Back. Luke, you do not yet realize your importance. You have only begun to discover your power. Join me, and I will complete your training. With our combined strength, we can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. I'll never join you! If you only knew the power of the dark side... Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. No! No! Luke, you can destroy the Emperor. He has foreseen this. It is your destiny. Join me, and together we can rule the galaxy as father and son. fascinating watching that scene and thinking about Luke's death blow, the topic that we're talking about, and like what we were just talking about, where is Vader kind of conflicted? It's almost like he's going back and forth with every line that he says. Well, another interesting thing, too, I hadn't thought about, too, is it, it him bringing up the line about the Emperor has foreseen that Luke can kill him. It's almost like Vader doesn't think Luke could kill him or hadn't even thought of it, but it's like now that the Emperor saw it, he's kind of like still believing in the Emperor. He's like, well, the Emperor thinks it's going to happen, so it probably really will happen, even though earlier in the movie he's realizing that the Emperor's been lying to him, and that is almost kind of like he still trusts him, even though he knows he's lying to him, which, like you're saying, yeah, he's definitely conflicted by who is he loyal to, his master or his his family at this point. Like, in the same 
like block of words, Vader is like, don't let me destroy you. You do not yet realize your importance. You've only begun to real to discover your power. Join me. I'll complete your training with our combined strength. We can end this destructive conflict. We can bring order to the galaxy. He's all mixed up. He doesn't quite know what to do. And may you know, maybe even Vader, Anakin is, yeah, like the Emperor starting to realize that this kid is going to be the end of us and not really, you know, feeling it in the force, but not understanding really what that means. Well, and what's interesting too is really at that point, even if Luke didn't do anything else, if even if Vader would have killed him, he already started the end of them because his existence basically broke what trust they had between each other where because he's he exists and is alive now vader knows that palpatine's been lying to him all this time and palpatine knows probably that vader's going to figure out he's been lying to him and then now they know that they're coming for each other at that point so it's like luke's kind of already started the the chain reaction that's going to destroy those two one think of this too that everybody thinks luke is going to kill the emperor everyone thinks luke is going to kill darth vader everyone you know even obi-wan they think luke is going to just march in there and start killing people and maybe that's like when we get to return of the jedi and the the big rinsler question of why is it why does vader stop it i don't know we've got more to go if i think before we answer that question <laughs> <laughs> so let's play this this is a deep cut one. This is but I think it plays into what we're talking about. The Return of the Jedi deleted scene where Luke is building his saber in the hut on Tatooine and Vader is reaching out to him with the Force. Luke. Luke. Join me on the dark side of the Force. My son, it is the only way. Luke. Luke. I love that scene so much. Luke. Luke. Well, and it's funny, too, because I think the shock of finally seeing the end part of Luke building his lightsaber makes you remember that part and forget about the real crazy stuff, which is, yeah, Vader basically saying Luke over and over again through the Force, trying to be Aunt Beru. Luke. Luke. <laughs> Luke. But even in that, that's we're in the beginning of Return of the Jedi. Some time has passed since the Empire Strikes Back. And Vader is still join me in the dark side of the Force. That's still what Vader is thinking I mean, where's Vader think this is going to go? What if what if Luke like called Vader back via the Force and was like, "Okay, Dad, I'll join you in the dark side of the Force." Like, okay, now what? You know, like now what do we do? Well, and that's kind of, I guess, you know, his where he's at. He doesn't know anything other than the dark side. So it's like he knows he wants to be with his son, but he doesn't know how else to be with his son other than, well, let's team up and and kill my master because that's what the Sith do. And I want you to be with me and I don't know what to do with these feelings. So let's just go kill some people together. 
but he's yeah obviously obsessed with luke still and he doesn't know what to do with those feelings now let's go to return of the jedi we played a little bit of it in the in the opening there you heard in the opening of this episode but let's play that scene again as our, f- our final bit of evidence on vader stopping luke's death blow your fleet is lost and your friends on the indoor moon will not survive there is no escape, my young apprentice. The Alliance will die, as will your friends. Good. I can feel your anger. I am defenseless. Take your weapon. Strike me down with all of your hatred, and your journey towards the dark side will be complete. I love how the Emperor, before all that, is just taunting Luke, taunting, 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 like... Your friends are all gonna die. Everybody's gonna die. So why don't you just go to the dark side? Doesn't matter. Now, something I had never really realized, though, in watching that ending of The Empire Strikes Back, and especially this moment in Return of the Jedi again, you combine those two moments the ending of Empire, like the, the throne room fight in in Return of the Jedi, and you think of Revenge of the Sith, you think of Anakin with Dooku, and how similar they they kind of are, like that moment with Dooku and Anakin and Palpatine is to both of those scenes. Anakin has cut off Dooku's hands, and then he has that final moment, and Anakin's like, you know, I shouldn't, it's not the Jedi way. He hesitates, and Palpatine, do it. And he does it. And that is almost kind of the beginning of the end for Anakin. That is tapping into the dark side. Anakin knows it's not the Jedi way, but he does it anyways because Palpatine is telling him to do it. And he trusts Palpatine. And Vader is kind of confronted again with that same moment, almost kind of in The Empire Strikes Back with Luke. And he stops himself. Vader cuts off Luke's hand. Vader, again, could have killed Luke right at the end of The Empire Strikes Back. But he doesn't because he's, he feels like love for his son. And again, in this end of Return of the Jedi, he's not going to let Luke kill the Emperor out of anger because he knows that the Emperor is getting to him. And he knows what that's like. He's been through it. It's why he's in this suit. And he's not going to let Luke fall, go down the same path he went down. Yeah, that's why that scene is so amazing and you know magical almost at the end of Return of the Jedi is he's not blocking Luke's death blow to save the Emperor. He's blocking Luke's death blow to save Luke. And you can kind of, you can figure that out only seeing four, five, and six, but then it, once you see where one, two, and three did, it makes it even more obvious and more impactful that you know why he's doing it and he's not doing it for the Emperor, he's doing it for Luke. Even though they fight more after, like that's the beginning of him 
starting to realize that he has to sacrifice himself to save his son. It was emphasized more too in, in Obi-Wan Kenobi with the, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did like the The whole thing that it's him saying to Obi-Wan, it's not you, it's me. And it's almost like in that moment also, he's yeah, saying to Luke, Luke, this isn't about you. This is about me. I started this. I have to finish this. I'm going to save you from the path I went down. Because if you strike out in anger and kill the emperor, even though everyone tells you that's the right thing to do, I, Anakin Skywalker, know that is not the right thing to do. That is not the Jedi way. And you have to be the Jedi here, Luke. Well, and it's also now with Kenobi, too, of him acknowledging that, you know, it wasn't Kenobi. He made himself Vader. And at this moment in Return of the Jedi, he starts to realize, I think, that because he made himself Vader, he can just as maybe not as easily, but he has the power to make himself Anakin again, too. But now and now he has a reason to. And it takes him a while to follow through on that. But that's that's what he's thinking, you know, as he watches the Emperor electrocute Luke is that, you know, that's the little, he flips that switch in his head and turns Anakin Skywalker back on. Well, and again, it's it's Revenge of the Sith, and he's remembering what that very fateful day and what happened with Mace Windu. And even though he wasn't, like, best friends with Mace Windu, he saw what the Emperor did to Mace Windu, and he knew that that also was not the Jedi way, and that wasn't right. Mace Windu was going there with, like, Kit Fisto and a bunch of people to stop the emperor. And he knows what happened. Anakin knows what happened. And he wasn't going to let that happen again. It's the the amazing thing with, you know, that we've did a whole episode about it a couple of years ago or last year I can't remember with, you know, everything is about the end of Return of the Jedi and it re- it is. And it's the great thing with this this incredible Rinsler question. There's a tiny moment in Return of the Jedi like Vader stopping Luke's death blow that lasts like what seconds, but it speaks absolute volumes that resonates through all the movies and you know the Disney Plus shows and <laughs> who knows what else. Well, yeah, and you could almost say the whole point of episode one, two, and three is kind of leading up to that moment of him stopping the death blow. That's that's the uh, Death Star exploding pinnacle of the first movie of the of all six movies is that moment of no he's not going to let Luke do what he did and become who he became and that's that's the beginning of it when he blocks that attack and it's it's such a Star Wars thing of parents and the whole theme of being a parent and I will not let my children have the life that I did. I want to, the, the very basic thing of being a parent, that I want to provide a better future for my child than I had. That is there, right there in that little moment. But it's so subtle and it goes by so quick because it's the crazy thing with watching Star Wars movies that right after that we get this great lightsaber battle and there's this insane space battle that you know is mind-boggling with ships flying around everywhere. There's so much going on that, it's hard to hone in on this one little extremely important moment. And it blew me away. The more I think about <laughs> Luke's death blow and Vader stopping it and the ramifications of that, it's just, ugh. Well, and especially because the first time you would ever watch Return of the Jedi, the moment it happens looks like Luke's losing and that Vader's 
decided not to help Luke, because especially because it goes into the big lightsaber fight afterwards. But it is like, you know, the more you think about that scene, the more, yeah, you start to realize that, no, that, that's actually not the case. And that even if Vader didn't realize it in the moment, that he was doing it for Luke, not for the Emperor. So you've heard what we think. Let's before we get to the the final word on what George Lucas said in Rinsler's Making of book. Uh, here's what our friends Charlotte and Caitlin from Sky Talkers had to say. The first one is from Caitlin, and she said she thinks all the new content with Vader, like Kenobi recently, kind of hammers home at this point in Return of the Jedi that Vader doesn't truly want to overthrow the Emperor and take his place. She said, watching Return of the Jedi with her nieces recently, they kept talking about how sad Vader seems in Return of the Jedi. And then in Kenobi, Anakin saying he's built this prison for himself, etc. She said she thinks Vader knows that if Luke does kill Palpatine, he'll be doomed like Vader is. And Vader ultimately doesn't want that for Luke because he loves Luke. Which is kind of like what we were coming to also. And then she said she just rewatched the scene when Vader and Luke, when Luke arrives on the Death Star, and Vader doesn't even offer to make the secret plan with Luke in that scene, which is true. He doesn't. You would think she was saying that he would try the whole let's let's rule the galaxy again here after he makes the stormtroopers leave. He, in that scene, believes there's no hope for him, but Luke sees the conflict in him. So she's saying she would say that Vader doesn't let Luke kill the Emperor because he doesn't want his fate for Luke after all, but also maybe not sure what to do in that moment other than block Luke. It's interesting because it it almost, thinking about that too, goes back to the Empire Strikes Back scene where it is almost Vader just reacting in the moment to buy himself time because he doesn't know what to do. Kind of the same thing where the Emperor wants to kill Luke, he knows who he is, and all Vader can think in the moment is, well, let's, if we turn him, he'll be an asset, which gives Vader time to figure out what he wants to do with what he's feeling. And then in Return of the Jedi, it's the same sort of thing where it's almost this gut reaction. If, if he blocks the saber, he saves Luke a little while longer while he is still figuring out what he wants to do. He's kind of, he's kind of a mess. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I like Caitlin bringing up too, that the, that scene with the two of them talking before they go on the Death Star on Endor, where Luke does say, I sense the conflict within you, let go of your hate. Like we were saying, like in the end of Empire, the conflict within Vader is between Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker. There's like two people fighting inside of his mind on who am I anymore? What what do I want to do? What do I have to say to this kid? What should I say and what do I really want to say? Okay, so Charlotte, she was saying that she thinks the Emperor and Vader have a subtle conflict happening in Return of the Jedi. And story-wise, Vader must usurp Palpatine to be free of chains, essentially. Luke's main conflict is with Vader, and by extension Palpatine, but mostly Vader. Vader needed to break down the triangle between Palpatine, Vader, Luke— to finally just see everything without the feeling of master and apprentice and instead father and son. You know, the father and son, the master and apprentice, that relationship is always around in Star Wars, you know, with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and Vader and Palpatine and on and on and on and on and on. 
probably be getting more of that coming up in Tales of the Jedi in a couple of weeks. But Vader, yeah, he's got to just break that whole thing. What he has known his whole life. Vader, Anakin didn't have a father. The closest Anakin had to a father, we, we've talked about this, was Obi-Wan. In, was it in Attack of the Clones? Anakin says, he's like, he's like a father to me. And then at the end of Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan says, you were my brother. It's like their relationship was fractured. Well, and the only father he said since then is Palpatine, who he now knows has been lying to him the whole time. And now, yeah, Luke appears and there's actually a, a relationship that's built on a real thing and not a lie. And Luke is saying to his face that I believe in Anakin Skywalker. I believe in you. I believe in who you were and who you can be again. And he doesn't know how to process that. I see you have constructed a new lightsaber. Your skills are complete. Indeed, you are powerful as the Emperor has foreseen. Come with me. Obi-Wan once thought as you do. You don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. I will not turn, and you'll be forced to kill me. If that is your destiny. Suit your feelings, father. You can't do this. I feel the conflict within you. Let go of your hate. It is too late for me, son. The Emperor will show you the true nature of the Force. He is your master now. Then my father is truly dead. So you've heard us, you've heard what Sky Talkers have to say. What did the man George Lucas have to say? It's in Rinsler's book. So George Lucas starts to say the core of all this thing is that the Emperor is the master and Vader is the apprentice. He knows that if he gets into a laser fight with the Emperor, he won't win. He knows his son can't win. Neither of them can beat the Emperor. Together they might. In the first sequel, he reveals that when he says together we can rule the universe. That's still his plot in Jedi. It's just that his son has said, no, I'm not going to do that. So that's a bit of a problem. Vader also knows that the Emperor is toying with Luke. He's been told by the Emperor, when he starts to strike me, you're going to have to take him out. If Vader doesn't block Luke's laser sword, the Emperor could just raise his hand and that would be the end of it. Then Vader would be in trouble. Lord Vader, what happened to you? Did you not get your cue? So Vader knows what the Emperor is doing to the kid. Instead of Vader turning Luke to the dark side, maybe the Emperor can. Vader doesn't care who does it, because then father and son can unite. But Vader doesn't quite understand the Emperor's plot. The whole plot of the Emperor is to get Luke to turn to the dark side and become his apprentice, by killing Vader. Vader doesn't quite understand that he's on the chopping block until he gets into that fight. He thinks that his job is to kill the kid, but of course he can't really kill the kid, and the Emperor knows that he can't really kill the kid. The Emperor is playing the two against each other to see who, which one wins. It's not until Luke cuts off his father's hand that it occurs to Vader what's going to happen here. He realizes, wait a minute, I've been set up. 
Then he also realized that his son is what Vader was at one point. When Luke's choice was his choice, his son refuses to kill him, and that is such a revelation to Vader, it reminds him of what he once was. So Vader is not powerful enough to kill the Emperor, but he does so in a very unexpected way. He does it not out of thinking or fear. He does it out of the super energy of wanting to protect his son out of compassion. Vader finally has compassion for his son and realizes that his life has been a sham. First of all, I love how George Lucas, how you, you can you can hear George Lucas kind of talking, of, like you can hear his voice and all that. Yeah. But that's the thing, too, that the Emperor never expects what's going to happen in the end. The Emperor is already sensing Vader's weakness, and he's like, well, time to go. And this kid is young. This is my new apprentice. And yeah, Vader, you're on the chopping block. But his overconfidence is his weakness, and he... He he thinks that Anakin Skywalker is gone forever. Like in that DVD scene from Empire, he's referring to Anakin as another person. The Emperor is not thinking about the fact that Vader stopped Luke's blow. The Emperor wants them to fight so Vader can die. Yeah, and all of this hearing kind of the Lucas explanation too kind of reminds me of the of the Tom Shales uh, NPR A New Hope review of, I think he said something like how, you know, Star Wars can be unintentionally profound or it's deeper than it, it realizes kind of a thing where, you know, everything George Lucas described is true. But I also think that, you know, like we're saying that some of those intentions of Vader and, and inner turmoil does appear earlier in the story, like we're saying. And even if that wasn't, the intention as they were filming those scenes that when you kind of see the movie as a whole, you can start to see that the struggle before maybe earlier than was intended just because of the way everything works out. And that's why, yeah, the end of return of the Jedi is such a great moment in movies because of all of that intentional or unintentional drama that all kind of comes together at the, the conclusion of this story. Whatever way it worked, whatever way it happened, it came together beautifully, masterfully. Uh, whatever word you want to make up to describe the end of Return of the Jedi, that's how it works. And there's so much going on in that ending in the throne room with just those three characters. One that we only met just in that movie, really, really. But that's the beautiful thing that yeah, then watching, like we said, one, two, three, four, five, six, just adds so much more. It's just, yeah. I think Return of the Jedi is a really good movie. I think is what we're saying. <laughs> it might be the best ending to anything ever. Anything. <laughs> Any, anything that has an ending, Return of the Jedi might be better than all of it. <laughs> anything anybody talks about like well that we had a great night we had so much fun thanks for having us over at your house for dinner be like yeah i had fun but it wasn't as good as return of the jedi no the night was great up until the end because you know return of the jedi ending is way better yeah thanksgiving dinner or something great great meal dessert was great i love the pie but i gotta be honest not as good as return of the jedi yeah Never invite me over to your house because I'll never leave because the end can't ever be better than Return of the Jedi, so why even go home? Why go anywhere? Why leave the house? Because nothing will ever be as good as Return of the Jedi. I want, I want Star 
Wars also includes Kenner's complete Star Wars Return of the Jedi collection. Entry deadline April 1st, 1983. Thousands enter. Only five win the grand prize. Details on posters and entry blanks at participating stores. Your entry gives you a chance to be one of the first to see... Return of the Jedi. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Guess what, folks? Apple Podcast Reviews. They're this thing, right? If you listen on Apple Podcasts, if you're listening to the show right now on something Apple, there's reviews. And if you go on there after you're done listening to this and write something nice about Blast Points, give us a five-star review. It will help more people find Blast Points when they look up Star Wars Podcasts and most of all, we really love reading them. It brings warm feelings to our hearts. We say it every week, but it's true. We love hearing from you folks. We love hearing what you folks are taking out of the show. So when you're done listening to this, we'd love it if you went over there and wrote something nice. And if you listen on Spotify, leave us a five-star review over there, too. And make sure you check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com, the best place to search for back episodes. And make sure you are following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you are in our super chill group. If you want to support the show in a different way, we got the Blast Points Army on Patreon. Last weekend, we had our review episode for Andor number five. Andor has got us going crazy. Those are brand new. They're really super fun. We're having fun doing them, talking about Andor. Tons of bonus stuff on there, too. And if you are a member of the Blast Points Army on Patreon, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But that about wraps up number 331 here. Luke's death blow. I think we all learned a little bit here about our favorite movie, Return of the Jedi. I don't I don't know how we're going to end this episode because it's not going to be better than Return of the Jedi. It's not. In fact, if you want to leave an Apple podcast review and be like, hey, you guys are great, but you've never done a podcast episode as good as Return of the Jedi. That's that's fair. We, I don't. I don't think I. I want to stop. We're just gonna let this episode keep going forever. Maybe one day it'll get better than Return of the Jedi. Probably not, though. Probably yeah. If we wait long enough, maybe. But yeah, probably not. <laughs> we'll just we'll just be tired at that point. We won't care. <laughs> Snore points. <clears throat> well, we know it's not going to be better than Return of the Jedi, but I guess we got to go. <laughs> so on that note, everyone, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you.
but in each small part is the whole part. And so, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why this, the six films are so great. Uh, and so saying that, I think I'll sign off and uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, sorry, I couldn't do more, but uh, that's it. Bye-bye. May the force be with all of you.